Good morning. My name is Spencer Bros, and I'm the lead pastor here at St. Stephen's, and it is a blessing to be here with you as we gather together to worship while we're singing, praying, gathering, exploring God's Word. Whether you're joining us online or you're in the building with us. This morning we're continuing our look, brief look anyway, at the Sermon on the Mount and picking back up at Matthew chapter 5, verse 21, going through verse 30. Again, this is Jesus speaking. You have heard that it was said to those in, of ancient times, you shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or sister, you will be liable to the council. And if you say you fool, you will be liable to the hell of fire. So when you are offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First to be reconciled to your brother or sister and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you're on the way to court with him. Or your accuser may hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you will be thrown into prison. Truly I tell you, you'll never get out until you have paid the last penny. You've heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to go into hell. The word of God for the people of God. There is a really no good place to stop that larger text it's a hard i mean doesn't that just i could just stop it doesn't it make you feel all warm and fuzzy on the inside this morning we're going to explore that text in context in the broader context of jesus's teaching and in paul's writing when we get to that place <laughs> that text seems so severe doesn't it it seems ridiculously severe and I can understand while, why I had a couple confirmants come up to me several years ago. I love confirmation. Um, I don't mind that I don't do it as often as I used to, but I've loved it when I've done it. And I tell kids and their families, you know, it is rare that somebody has that much direct access to their pastor every week for that amount of time. Take advantage of it. Use it, right? I mean, it's a, it's a wonderful opportunity, and we always learn so much. But I had this brother and sister duo. They had come to the church later um, in their childhood, and um, she was a couple years older than, than her brother, so they were both in confirmation together. And, and they were asking me all these questions. And, it and I don't remember the specific questions, but I remember that it finally dawned on me that they were asking, what's the minimum requirement for me to be a Christian here? That's effectively what they were wanting to know what the bar, where the bar was. Where, how low is this bar? 
as we look at Jesus' text today, if we just look at that, and especially if we stop right there, that bar is pretty high, isn't it? But really what we experience throughout this text, throughout a good part of, at least the chapter 5 part of uh, the Sermon on the Mount and the other of Jesus' teachings and Paul's writings, that actually the bar is pretty low, but the opportunities are very high. So we're going to explore all of that this morning as we take a look at um, what it means to live into that next level of faith that Jesus seems to be talking about here. Um, Last week, uh, one of the verses, one of the, uh, what was the final verse, I guess, of of last week, which is also a tough one to end on, and I didn't really do much with it, but it sets us up for this week when Jesus says, For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And these are people who think the scribes and the Pharisees plus maybe the priests at the temple, are the epitome of righteousness. So Jesus is saying, unless you're better than them, you're never going to get into the kingdom of heaven. So we're, again, this is, we're contextualizing all of this that Jesus is saying. And then at the end of this uh, particular part of teaching in in, uh, chapter 5, verse 48, Jesus says, be perfect. Not practically perfect. Mary Poppins was only practically perfect in every way, right? He's saying, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. That's a pretty high bar. But as we start exploring Jesus' teachings, not just here, but throughout the Gospels, and then take the, uh, Paul's writings uh, into consideration, we see a different picture here. Jesus is on the verge of sarcasm with much of this. None are righteous, he's saying. None of you are. The Pharisees and the scribes aren't righteous either. We all fall short of God's perfection. And it's only through Christ that we receive his righteousness. And through him, because of him, We can become righteous, but it's still never our own. It's only his. We live in a world with levels, right? There's always the next level, it seems like, in whatever thing we're doing or whatever field we're pursuing or whatever um, part of season of life we're in. This afternoon, Mason did not forget the next big thing, Valentine's is a big thing, but the next big thing is the Super Bowl, and the, uh, and the Chiefs and the Eagles both had to level up, right, to get to this game today, this afternoon. In case you didn't know what the, was happening this afternoon, there's a football game. You know, it's a little um, flag football, no, Super Bowl, right? So Kansas City had to beat Jacksonville and Cincinnati in the playoffs, and then Philadelphia had to beat the Giants in San Francisco to get to the, They had the next level each stage to get to where they want to be. And it's this increasing um, challenge, theoretically. Um, But we do it in our lives. We do it in school with grades. Um, We do it in sports leagues, whether you're um, just starting or maybe you're playing um, travel ball or whatever. Military, of course, and on and on and on. We see it in scouting. Cub scouts 
um, start off if you if you well, if you go all the way through lions to tigers to wolf bear and weeblows and arrow of light come in in the middle of it somewhere you you pick up a bobcat badge and then boy scouts as they get older they have their own ranking system we we have this leveling up we do it because in our world we need some system some ordered system of of structure of of helping people to advance and to move forward in life and and it's not perfect uh it's not always accurate or equitable but we do it because we live in a fallen world and we're trying to create some order. But Jesus is talking about God living, our God lives, our faith lives, our journey of faith. And he gives us a different way of considering what that next level looks like. It's not based upon merits. There are things of merit to do, of good things, of seeking reconciliation, um, with those we're, we're, we're not connected to and, and so on and so forth. And certainly um, more than just what we read today in Scripture. But it's still not enough to get us to that place of righteousness. Of something completely other than this world has to offer. Of perfection um, through God's eyes in terms of our lives of faith. And, and you might ask, are there levels of faith? And, and I don't think that there's, God sees it as any kind of, you know, you're at this level and you're at this level and this level, but I think there's sometimes it helps us to have a distinction just for growth purposes, not for um, judging ourselves or one another, but just for purposes of growth. And if you scour the internet looking for levels of faith, you will find lots of different lists and some of them are very, very long. But one I have found to be helpful in terms of our growth in faith is one that was uh, written by Dwight L. Moody. He was a 19th century preacher. Um, he's the founder of what you might have heard of, the Moody Institute. And he spoke of three kinds of faith in Jesus Christ. First is struggling faith, which is like a person floundering and fearful in deep water. Clinging faith, which is like someone hanging on to the side of the boat. And then resting faith, which finds the person safe inside the boat, strong and secure enough to reach out a hand to help someone else. This aspect of faith is a growing confidence in God and, and our need for God, our trust in God, and recognizing our own um, shortcomings and allowing God to lead us and guide us and more and more giving our will over to his. The growth in faith parallels our growth in righteousness because the righteousness isn't ours. I'm going to say this a lot maybe. It's not ours, it's, it's Jesus. And it becomes a part of us as we become a part of the, the people of God, as we welcome faith, as we accept that invitation that Christ gives us. Now, as we've heard those words, and as, as I've said, if we consider the totality of Jesus' teachings and Paul's writings, we get a different picture of leveling up than something that says, you've got to do better, you've got to do better, you've got to do better, you've got to do better. And that wheel, that new wheel never stops. Jesus is not offering us better, he's offering us more, deeper and broader. 
in terms of understanding our faith and living into who we are as God's children. In the, in the Sermon on the Mount, um, we've only taken a small look at that. It's, a, it's three chapters long, and there's a lot happening in there. But in this first part of it, following the Beatitudes through the end of the fifth chapter, we get this picture from Jesus of the need for righteousness. And he, again, he's almost playing, uh, being a little sarcastic in his, in his uh, teachings to us. But at the same time, sprinkling good teachings in the midst of it. Jesus' teaching in all of this is not only do we have to have this, not only is it important to have this outward sign of who we are as followers of, of God through Jesus Christ, it's important. The world should be able to look at us and see the good stuff that the world understands about Jesus and more. But there also needs to match this inward side. The Pharisees and the scribes were completely and utterly focused, at least in, from the perspective of Jesus' teaching, on the outward signs of it. They made sure the whole world looked at them and saw righteous people. But it didn't so matter, matter so much what was on the inside. Jesus is saying the outward and the inward need to match up. And even more so, the inward needs to exceed and excel over top of the outward. That's that whole six times he says, you've heard it said, but then I tell you. He's, he's increasing the inside, the inward righteousness leveling. Not ever doing away with any of it. But he's not hinging any of that on the kingdom of heaven. That's not, what's hin- that's not the kingdom of heaven has been hinged on that. That's our experience of living in this world as Jesus followers. Our righteousness comes from Jesus, from his life, from his death, and from his resurrection. Paul tells us in Romans 5 that we've been justified by his blood. That means we've been made right with God, just as if I'd never sinned. In some way, I heard a, a young person uh, wrap their brain around it. Earlier in Romans, Paul writes, through faith in Jesus Christ, that righteousness is given to all who believe. There's this imparted and imputed, and I won't get into the distinctions of that. You're welcome to look them up later. There's a whole, I had like a whole other three pages in my sermon on those two things. You're welcome. Anyway. Paul puts it another way in 2 Corinthians 5.21. For our sake, God made Jesus to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Again, the righteousness isn't ours. It's Jesus's. And and we get to use it. It covers us up. It doesn't make us free from sinning, but it makes us free from sin. Capital S, sin, sinning, lowercase s. But the more we grow in our faith, the more we grow in righteousness, that little less sinning diminishes. And that righteousness creeps more and more towards our inward selves and starts to take over. And all of that comes from not trying to achieve better, not to try to get to the next level on our own, but surrendering more and more of ourselves to Christ himself. Not my will, but yours be done. It's that ongoing, not my will, but yours be done. I don't like it, but your will be done. That's not how I see things. Your will be done. It's not what I want to do, but your will be done. Or I want to do this, but your will be done. 
It's that ongoing surrendering self to God. Continuing the boat metaphor. I like that metaphor. Let's continue a little bit. So consider yourself a swimmer. You're a strong swimmer. You're just like, you know, I don't need no boat. I'm good. It doesn't matter what the weather's going to be. I can tread water for days. And then the weather starts to shift and change. The seas start to get a little rough. Maybe the water starts to get really cold. You're like, that boat over there is looking nice. This over here doing it by myself is, with, is before faith. It's, it's, it's God being present. The boat's right there. But, you know, and I'm here, but I'm here floundering. And you start to, you start to reach. And as, as you reach and you're, you're, you're grappling, then, you, then you're determined, I need to get there. And eventually you're like, I need to be in the boat. I need the boat. It's that increasing level of, of recognizing our overall dependence upon God. Life is fine. The world is fine when things are easy and comfortable. And when things get wonky and weird, we, we are reminded of how much we depend upon God. Earlier, I mentioned that Jesus lowers the standards but raises opportunities and expectations even. The minimum standard is just getting into the boat. That's a pretty minimum standard. Just get in the boat of faith. Recognize I need, I need to rescue. And then welcome the rescue. But the raised expectations and the increased opportunities come from recognizing that the boat itself isn't the end. That's not the stopping place. There's more. That's why it's not better. There's more. There is more to explore. There's more to know. And you first, we start to, we start to embrace that by getting to know the boat itself. We read the manual. I know. Some of us guys are like, we don't read those manual. We don't need it. Read the manual. Talk to the builder and the designer. Recognize that there are other people in the boat. Or let's translate this to our faith life. Read your Bible. Pray. Talk to others about your faith. Gather for worship. The boat enables us to do more and to be more, but we have to be familiar with the boat and its builder. Spend time with God on purpose, intentional. God's always with us, but sometimes we don't always recognize that we're with God. Spending time with God collectively together in worship, collectively in, in education, learning in Bible studies or Sunday school classes. It's so important. Individually in prayer and devotion time. And as we start to learn about the boat or learn about our faith, we grow and then we start to see the world from the boat perspective rather than the water. And we can see and learn and understand that there's more to explore. It lets us explore what it means to do good in Jesus' name. And it lets us explore what it means to do no harm in Jesus' name. And it lets us explore what it means to live a next level of faith together in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's pray. Loving Lord, thank you. Thank you for setting the bar low, but the expectations high.
so that we recognize your great love for us. Even when we are at our lowest. Even before we know you or recognize you or love you back. Thank you for loving us into the more that you envision and imagine us to be. And as we experience that love that transforms our hearts and minds and changes us from the inside out. May we live into the next level of faith as we turn our hearts and minds over to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.